Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast, Tuesday edition of the program. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. As always, we are presented by Total Beverage right now for a limited time. Total Beverage has an exclusive deal for BSN listeners. You guys can get $10 off of a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, if you use the promo code BSN10, you guys can save $10 off a $50 purchase or more for your parties. Have it delivered right to your door because Total Beverage now delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure to check out our friends over at Total Beverage for all your liquor, wine, beer, spirits needs on their website and their app, of course. Like I said, Tuesday edition of the program, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. We got a couple fun topics we're going to get today as the Nuggets are wrapping up All-Star Weekend. Four topics that I wanted to get to today. We're going to rank Denver's potential playoff opponents from easiest to hardest. We're going to discuss who the best case scenario is if Denver was to target a max level free agent next summer. Who would be the best case scenario? Who would be the best guy Denver could realistically get uh, for money purposes and for fit purposes? And would those guys have any interest in Denver? We'll throw some names out there. Who's likely to have a more impactful career in Denver? Jared Vanderbilt or Michael Porter Jr.? We'll compare and contrast those two rookies. And finally... Maybe the biggest storyline for this team post-All-Star break, will the Nuggets' vaunted starting lineup, first of all, will they be healthy for the Nuggets out of the All-Star break, and will they be able to capture that 2017-18 glory and really the level they were playing at over the Nuggets' first two games over Denver's final 25 games? I guess that's where I'll start because I was doing a little bit of math before. Uh, We started the podcast. Denver has 25 games left coming out of the All-Star break. They've got their first post-All-Star break practice Wednesday. They'll practice again Thursday. They'll fly out to Dallas where they play Friday in their first game after the All-Star break. 
After that, Denver has a four-game homestand against the Clippers, the Thunder, the Jazz, and the Pelicans. Denver's got 25 games left. If they go 13-12, and 12, the Nuggets get to 52 wins. They're over-under for the season, if you remember. What was that? 46 wins? 47 wins? They're going to blow that mark out of the water if they just go pretty much 500 the rest of the way. I don't want to say they're guaranteed to go 500, but it's hard envisioning them not going 500. They're probably going to get to 52, 53 wins. At worst, I think that's going to be the three or the four seed. It's crazy that we're here approaching the end of the season, approaching the stretch run. And I mean, 52, 53 wins. It's not only in sight, it's right there for the taking. It seems like that's almost the worst case scenario at this point. Yeah. I mean, the Nuggets, you can make the case they've been the most injured team in the league. Um, Gary Harris has missed considerable time. Will Barton missed 37 games, I believe. I mean, to have two starters and then sometimes three with Paul Millsap just missed considerable time this season. It's amazing the Nuggets are in this spot. Um, I mean, the strides they've taken this year have been unbelievable. Some of the, the young guys developing, I didn't see coming for a million miles. And you're right, we are here. And I think the goal, like, there are a couple goals like I mean this probably this team probably wants to finish with the two seed right yeah they got two game lead over the Thunder right now it's it's very much within taking but I think at the bare minimum what this team has got to accomplish over these last 25 games is finish just finish with the top four seed because they're so good at home and I think if they have home court advantage in that first round then that gives them a really really good chance to to move on and I just got this note on Twitter I don't know if this is fact but somebody replied to one of the tweets I just put out 12 of the Nuggets' final 25 games are on national TV. Is that right? That seems like an incredibly high amount. But, I mean, Nuggets are the two seed right now. Well, I know that game against the Jazz got flexed, but is that high? That's that game crazy. got flexed to 8.30, which is way past my bedtime <laughs> on a Tuesday night. They're going to be in a lot of marquee games down the stretch. And if you just look at their schedule to close the year, I remember talking about this at the beginning of the season. Look at their final nine games at Houston, at Oklahoma City versus Washington, at Golden State versus San Antonio versus Portland, at Portland, at Utah versus Minnesota. Their last four games are divisional opponents, and eight of their last nine games are within the Western Conference. So the NBA set it up that way on purpose. There's going to be a lot of drama down the stretch, and if I'm Denver... That's how I want it, to be honest. I want to be in control of my own destiny when push comes to shove at the end of the season. Let's go over the, that first topic that I just laid out a few minutes ago. Let's look ahead to the playoffs. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this will be a fun exercise here. We did it way back at maybe the quarter mark of the season, closer to the halfway point, and I don't think my list has changed that much, but I thought it'd be good to revisit this topic here. So going from... Easiest potential first-round opponent to most difficult. How would you slot these teams? We ranked everybody except Golden State because the standings could mix up a lot. They're not going to mix up to the point where the Nuggets are playing the Warriors in the first round. So I guess starting with the potential easiest opponent Denver has going to the hardest, how would you rank it? So they're pesky, but I've got the Sacramento Kings first on my list. Um you know, it's kind of between them and the Clippers. I think that's like 
a pretty clear first two teams that, that Denver would want to face in the first round. That'd probably be a 2-7 if it, if it did happen. Um, you know, the Kings, I think the key there is just play it at the pace that the Denver Nuggets want to. I think that game right before the All-Star break got a way too up and down for Denver. So I think if, if Denver just did a decent job c- controlling the pace, then I think they'd be fine in that series. Um, two, the Clippers, they they just don't look that scary without Tobias Harris. I mean, I, I know they got Gallo. He's having a great season for them. Lou Williams is, is always dangerous, but mm-hmm. they just don't scare me at all. Um, is that kind of how your yeah, first two are shaping those up? Those are my first two. The Kings, I would not be worried about playing the Kings in a playoff series. They played a really frenetic pace. I have to imagine that will slow in the playoffs, and that's really their biggest strength. So uh, that's a factor there. And how inexperienced the Nuggets are, the Kings are way more inexperienced <laughs> when it comes to the playoffs. Who on that roster has played in playoff games other than Costa Kufis? <laughs> right. Imagine Costa Kufis like he's giving the, the pregame speech. He's the wily veteran on that team. Everybody on that team was either in high school three years ago or was on either Duke or Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a ton of playoff experience with that Kings team. And the Clippers, I've been a noted Clippers skeptic for much of this season. I think they're still going to have to navigate some injuries throughout the rest of this stretch here. That trade at the deadline to get rid of Tobias Harris, that seemed like a warning shot to the rest of the Western Conference that they really didn't want to make the playoffs this season. They want to keep their pick, which I believe is lottery protected. And, you know, they just want to set up for the future and create two max spots to maybe get Kawhi Leonard in. I don't know, maybe Kevin Durant. Um, but I don't think they really want to make the playoffs. And even if they did, I feel like they'd be a pretty advantageous first round opponent for the Nuggets. There'd be some good storylines, though, for sure. Gallinari and, and the Nuggets playing again. Wilson Chandler, who's now in L.A. with the Clippers, facing off against the Nuggets. Wow. Yeah, uh, there'd be a lot of fun storylines. Um, so I, I think it starts to get tricky after those first two. Um, I penciled in San Antonio third. I didn't feel great about that one. I've I mean, got San Antonio third as well. I mean, you never feel great about coaching against Greg Popovich as, as great as Michael Malone ha- has done this year. I'd be a little bit nervous just about trying to go in-game adjustments versus pop and stuff like that, but they just don't have a lot of firepower. Yeah, the Spurs just aren't a very good team this year. Yeah. <laughs> and like if they had some more talent on their rotation, they'd be higher up my list. Because of that, going against Popovich, and also that arena is just intimidating to play in. It's kind of hard to explain unless you've been there and watched the game there. That place gets loud. There are bats flying around. The hallways there are so confusing. You can get lost while just trying to find the court and trying to find the Nuggets locker room. Uh, there's like an inner hallway that you have to walk through to get to the court. Anytime there's an inner hallway in a building, you know it's tricky. The place is like a labyrinth. It's an intimidating place to walk into. And just kind of the allure of the Spurs is always there, really no matter how good or bad they are. The air conditioning inexplicably goes out during key playoff games too. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah, really weird. One way to slow LeBron, make him cramp up. Maybe the only way, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs have a couple playoff-tested guys. DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. Is DeRozan playoff-tested? Well, in the he's playoff tested that uh, he's probably going to fail. Hey, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Granted, they've never won a game against LeBron, but um, 
Aldridge always David, gives the Nuggets trouble too. They've though. advanced rounds in the playoffs before. He has advanced rounds in the playoffs. The Nuggets don't match up terribly well against the Spurs. That's what I was trying to get at. They don't really have a guy to guard DeRozan. I mean, Torrey Craig is your best option there. And LaMarcus Aldridge, like you were getting at, has had some big games against the Nuggets before. Plus the Nuggets killer Davis Bertans too. Don't forget about him. Right. The best shooter percentage-wise in the league. All right, well, let's see if we're going to have the exact same list here. I swear we didn't consult each other while writing this. Who do you have number four? Uh, I went with Utah. Okay, me too. <laughs> I would have felt you know, much more nervous about having to potentially face Utah had it, had it made for that deal for Mike Conley. That trade would have made them so much scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a shame on their part that they didn't get it done, but... I mean, look, I know Utah won that playoff series against OKC last year. That was really, really impressive. But Ricky Rubio has not been very good this year. I think you could really help off him in a playoff series. And and they're kind of like the Spurs. They just don't have enough firepower to make me nervous. Yeah, the Jazz aren't as intimidating as they were last year, I don't think. And maybe they'll win, what, 19 of their last 20? <laughs> or however many of their last 20 games they won last year on that uh stretch run they had which really catapulted them into the playoffs and two-way first round victory over the thunder but they just don't seem to have that same firepower as they did a year ago donovan mitchell's been up and down this year rudy gobert's had a great year but i don't know they just don't seem as scary to me as they did last year i would love that series though cheap plane rides from denver to salt lake too next up who do you have fifth uh, went with Portland. Their guard play is obviously really, really impressive. Nurkic, Jokic has gotten the best of him lately, but mm-hmm. I'd still be a little bit nervous about him in a playoff series. He always seems to beat Denver up on, on the offensive glass when they face each other, but they don't have a lot of you know wings, and that's that's one thing where Denver might be all right. Like I would worry about any playoff series where the other team has like elite wings, just because Denver has doesn't have a lot of guys to, to throw at those guys, and that's that's one area where Portland's lacking. True. This part that scares me about Portland is the high pick and roll. And that's something we know Denver struggles against. They're probably going to struggle against it in the playoffs when teams run one high pick and roll after another. And Portland does that a lot with Lillard, with Nurkic, with McCollum, with Nurkic. And so that would be a concern, I think. And yeah, just the guard play there. Denver's backcourt has struggled against opposing guards stopping dribble penetration, stopping them from three-point range this year. Uh, So that would be a concern for me. Also, you got the Nurkic factor. And look, Denver has played and Jokic has played very well against Yusuf Nurkic and the Blazers, particularly this season. But that storyline will surely get played up if they did go toe-to-toe. And I don't think it would necessarily affect Jokic, but it would be something that would be discussed. Oh, Jokic would be so annoyed by all the media trying to make it like a a Nurkic versus Jokic thing. Like whenever Mm -hmm. even anybody even asks about Nurk after after those games, he's like, no, cut it out. I hate this. Stop it. Right. It felt like that game in Portland last season where Jokic had a huge game and he he dribbled by Nurk and kind of dunked on his head was a turning point. Mm -hmm. Jokic has been really good against him ever since. I think Michael Malone even said after that game that Nikola Jokic got over somewhat of a mental block in that game. And I really felt like it was true because since then, Denver has really had the upper hand on Portland, I thought. Okay, so same order through uh, first five. Who do you have sixth? All right, I'm curious here. Uh, I've got the team in 10th place in the Western Conference 
right now, a team that's three games out of the playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's pretty simple, I, pretty obvious. You don't want to face LeBron James in the, in the first round. Yeah, I mean, who's going to spend the majority of the time guarding him? The Nuggets have tried Paul Millsap on him this year. Like, I feel like if they got in a playoff series, Mason Plumley would spend considerable time guarding him. As weird as that sounds, because your other options are like Will Barton and Malik Beasley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't know how you guard LeBron. Yeah, I had the Lakers here too, <laughs> so I think we're going to have the same list. Um, the reason I have the Thunder as a tougher opponent than the Lakers is just because. They have more guys who are playoff tested. And as good as LeBron is in the playoffs, as unstoppable as he's been, and I'm of the belief that you can't doubt LeBron in the playoffs until he loses. Like We know he hasn't looked like himself this year, especially when he's come back from the injury. We know his supporting cast is uh, a bunch of these young guys, but we still have to regard him as playoff LeBron. Uh, but his supporting cast, like I was just getting at, they don't have a ton of playoff experience. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, who knows how those guys will look in the playoffs. And I guess that's really what comes down to me putting them as an easier opponent potentially than the Thunder. Look, LeBron, I think him alone against the Nuggets has a case to be regarded as the toughest potential playoff opponent for Denver just because of who LeBron is and what he's done in the playoffs, what he's done against the Nuggets over the years. Uh, but you know he just doesn't have that supporting cast right now to to be in those one of those top two spots for me. Yeah, I, I'm really high in the Thunder as a playoff team too. Um, I'm I'm in agreement that out of anybody in the West, I, I think they're posed the most threat to the Golden State Warriors. Which is to say, I think they could maybe take them six games. <laughs> it's not saying that much, but. When they get their best five on the floor, like they are long, they are athletic, they fly around. I mean, just the athleticism is breathtaking and scary at times. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're next to my list. Um, and then eighth, you know, the, the team that I would most not want to see if I was a member of the Denver Nuggets, I think this one is, is pretty obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Houston Rockets. Uh, what what are they, 1-10 in, in their last 10 games with that win yeah, um, last in, month at one home? 1-9 their last 10, yeah. Yeah, 1-9. Um yeah, I mean, James Harden, they just haven't had a lot of success cracking that code. We just know they're going to go high pick and roll with him and Capella over and over again. Um, you know, Capella always eats around the rim when they play Denver. So, I mean, that would, what, probably be a 4-5, maybe a 3-6? Right, there's... They're not dropping a 7. Yeah. The thing with Houston is they got or are getting Clint Capella back here pretty soon. I saw a report out of Houston that uh, Clint Capella is very close to returning. And they haven't got anything out of Chris Paul. Right. (laughs) And so they are kind of lurking there. I think you could see them rise up and get back into that group of top four of group of four teams at the top of the West, which I think have kind of separated themselves here. The reason I have the Thunder as a tougher opponent than the Lakers for the Nuggets is Really, mostly because of Paul George. I feel like he's stepped up another level this year. He's vaulted another tier. I think he's pretty clearly in the MVP discussion, in the top five of the MVP discussion. I think he has an argument for three, maybe for two. Um, He's just up this play this year, I think, on both ends. And a lot's been said about Russell Westbrook's year. I feel like he'll have a better playoffs than he has had regular season. 
And I think Paul George will have a great playoffs too. And like you mentioned, defensively, they're just a terror. A lot of people are making this point lately that George's numbers this season are pretty similar to what Kevin Durant put up in his final season in OKC. I encourage you to, to go look at those numbers if you haven't. Like they're they're startlingly similar. It's amazing that that Paul George has gotten this good. Where, I mean, on the offensive end, he's doing some something pretty similar to what Durant did while he was there. And shoot, man, on the defensive end, I mean, you make a case that he's been the best perimeter defender in all of basketball this year. Right. Well, he's better defensively than Durant ever was in OKC, probably. And offensively, I don't think he's been as good. I, I don't think he just is as good as Durant was. Uh, in OKC, but yeah, the numbers look very similar. Houston, obviously the top team for each of us. It's tough. <laughs> Houston is tough for anybody to go against. James Harden's a terror for anybody to defend, especially the Nuggets. I talked about earlier when uh, I spoke about Denver's struggles defending the high pick and roll and how that would potentially lead to a difficult series against the Blazers. Look, that's multiplied times 10 against the Rockets and James Harden. Did you see his comments at All-Star Weekend where he was speaking with Coach Bud? And he said he wished that he didn't have to play this way, this ISO-centric one-on-one style play. He wishes he could play the beautiful game. Hmm. I don't know. I mean... You think he's bullshitting? I, I'm sure, like, some part of him wishes he he didn't have to carry this big of a load. And, you know, I think if Chris Paul is healthy, he wouldn't be seeing it to this degree. But... I mean, at his core, that's kind of who James Harden is, a guy that takes you one-on-one off the dribble. Yeah, but is that because that's who he has to be, or is that because that's who he wants to be? That's the question. Well, if we can rewind history and keep that OKC core together and know both outcomes, then we'll know the answer to that question. If he's in OKC, there is no way he's this type of player now. No. No way. Oh, it was just like... Perfect player, perfect system, perfect coach to to unleash this type of storm in Houston. Yeah, that's an interesting debate. So to recap here, we've got the same order. Kings, Clippers, Spurs, Jazz, Blazers, Lakers, Thunder, Rockets in terms of easiest to toughest first-round opponent. Let us know what you guys think. Hit us up on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. Hit us up on Twitter with... Who do you think the easiest first-round opponent for the Nuggets would be? Who do you think would be the hardest first-round opponent for the Nuggets to play? Really interesting debate here. And I want to remind you guys, if you're still holding out on a BSN Denver subscription, right now we've got a really cool offer going on for you guys. You guys can get a one-year subscription to BSN Denver. And again, that gives you access to our Nuggets content, our Rockies content, our Broncos content, our Avalanche content. For only $29.99 a month, and that comes out to just $2.50 a month, usually a one-year subscription to BSN Denver is $35.99. But with the promo code NUGGETS, all capitals, when signing up on bsndenver.com backslash subscribe, you can get a one-year subscription for $29.99 or just $2.50 a month. And also, we've got a little competition going on between our Broncos crew, our Avalanche crew, our Rockies crew, and us. Whoever signs up the most new subscribers with their sports-specific promo code, ours is Nuggets, everybody who signed up over that time period is going to get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver locker. But you guys only get that if more Nuggets fans sign up than Rockies, than Broncos, than Avalanche fans. So we need your help. Help us out. 
sign up for a BSN Denver subscription and you might be able to get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver locker. We've got a ton of cool shirts on there. Awesome Nuggets shirts, Rocky shirts, Avalanche shirts, Broncos shirts. More coming too later on this season. So bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. Get that BSN Denver subscription if you're still holding out. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. On the other side, who will have a more impactful career? Jared Vanderbilt or Michael Porter Jr.? Who is the best case scenario max or near max level star that the Nuggets could grab next summer? Also, will the Nuggets starting lineup recapture its 2017-18 glory after the All-Star break? We'll be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, part of the award-winning BSN Denver podcast network. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on a Tuesday. We are presented today by Total Beverage. If you guys have a question for the show, hit up the Total Beverage fan hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. We welcome all questions about the Nuggets, about the NBA. We'll be more than happy to answer them on a show later this week. Let's turn to the second topic that we want to hit on today's podcast, talking about two rookies who, well, one of them has played a little bit for the Nuggets this year. One of them has not played at all for the Nuggets this year. Who will have a more impactful career, Jared Vanderbilt or Michael Porter Jr.? This is a really tough one. Um, it is because That's why I chose it, <laughs> man. Part of, I mean, a, a big part of me really wants to say Jared Vanderbilt, and you know, the argument for him is, I think he's just a great fit on this roster. You look at the strengths of this roster right now. There's incredible skill. Uh, they have a ton of great shooters. Um, they definitely don't need any help on the offensive end. Third in offensive rating right now, um, despite being so banged up. They've been in the top six for each of the last three seasons. Like, it doesn't really matter that Jared Vanderbilt can't shoot the ball worth a lick. He right. doesn't have to. He can he can fit in seamlessly and, and never really develop a jump shot. I mean, just go back and look at the numbers with Kenneth Fareed. Their offense was, was just ridiculous with Fareed playing that dunker spot. And, and Vando is a different player. You know, he'd be more of a distributor. But I love the fit of Jared Vanderbilt, but that just feels – too galaxy brainish to me. Like I'm not <laughs> going to do it. I'm I'm just going to go with the the easy answer here and say Michael Porter Jr. The dude who's six foot eleven with a a smooth jump shot. Is that the easy answer though? Because one guy has gotten on the court, one guy hasn't. Is that the easy answer for two games? Right. 
Yeah, I but mean, he's I at least playing. Yeah, I mean, Michael Porter Jr.'s injury issues are, are obviously more concerning. I mean, a a, a back, a messed up back, is one of the worst things you can have as a basketball player. But Jared Vanderbilt has dealt with some injury issues too. I sure. mean, he played in 15 games in college because of these repeated foot injuries. Sure. And obviously, Vanderbilt healthy now. He's played a few games in the G League, played a few games uh, with the Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. seems like he's healthy now. I put up a I mean, rehab mixtape. I mean, he's like dunking from the foul line. We're in the era of rehab mixtapes, Harrison. That's where we are. If Denver needed him to play this year, my gut says he could. But my gut also says they still hold him out. And... Man, Summer League should be enticing next uh, July with Vanderbilt and Porter Jr. on that team. Nuggets are going to get some main court run. Yeah, maybe they'll get a couple. Maybe they'll get two games at Thomas and Max Center. <laughs> uh, maybe they won't play the uh, 9 o'clock game on Friday at Cox Pavilion. But that should be a fun team with those two. And Vlatko should be back. Vlatko Chanchar. What a front court, baby. What a front court. Yeah, what a front court. Um, Probably find a couple good guys for the backcourt. I hope Vlaco comes in and says, hey, guys, I know you guys are you know, highly touted prospects, but this is my team. Did you see what I did last year at Summer League? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, I'm going to go with Jared Vanderbilt having a more impactful career with Denver. I'm going to go Galaxy Brain on you. I I am. I mean, first off, he fits perfectly in the front court next to Nikola Jokic. There's a a natural path there. And look, his foot injuries are something to note for sure. But I think I'd rather deal with a guy having foot injuries than a back injury. Barely. There's neither of them are good. But I'd still take my chances with a foot injury over a back injury. I think there's a scenario out there where, you know, both guys are healthy and both guys are contributing. Um, but now, there was a reason why Michael Porter Jr. fell past 12 teams in the lottery after he was once considered the number one overall pick. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure the injury things will be a concern with both those guys throughout their careers here. But it's cool that Vanderbilt's healthy now and Michael Porter Jr. is getting there. And I think they both could have really impact- impactful careers. For the sake of this argument, I'll go with Vanderbilt, though. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets really have a need for for long-rangey wings. Um, and Michael Porter Jr., a guy who I think he's going to split time between small forward and power forward in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I kind of view Jared Vanderbilt almost exclusively as a, a power forward. I could see him as a small ball center. Yeah, yeah, I could see that in stretches too. But I guess, you know, you don't want to throw Jared Vanderbilt out there at, at like the three. You know, like you couldn't throw him out there with like, him, Paul Millsap, and Jokic, I don't think. No, that's That's all. just pretty clunky, whereas, you know, you could go with, like, Porter, Paul, and and Nikola, I think, pretty easily. So I think Porter offers a, a little more versatility, definitely. Um, he's freaking huge, too, man. Like, whenever <laughs> you see him in person, you're like, is he as tall as Nikola Jokic? I think he is. I think they're both around 6'10". Yeah. Um, so... I don't know, man. It's so tough. I mean, ceiling-wise, ceiling Michael Porter Jr. has the higher ceiling for sure. Yeah. And, and the Nuggets just like – the Nuggets do need some dirty work, guys. Like, there's there's a strong argument for Jared Vanderbilt. I, I really am torn here. But, I mean, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, it, if he's just – if he can just stay a little bit healthy, like, that guy's going to be a player. It's just all, almost all contingent on health. Like, Vanderbilt is largely contingent on health, but he's got to improve – 
you know, uh, some skills too. Yeah, and I think a good goal for Michael Porter Jr. on the Nuggets is Daniil Gallinari. That archetype of player, knockdown shooter from the perimeter, a guy who can play a couple positions, three and four, maybe even like some five later in his career, I don't know. Uh, but a guy who's just really potent on the offensive end and can be a contributor on the defensive end, kind of in the mold of Gallo. I, I think I see some uh, similarities there. Um, but, man, is it potentially really exciting to get both those guys on the floor together. If both those guys are healthy, the Nuggets are winning a championship. I can't believe how fun like the 30 Jared Vanderbilt minutes we've gotten are. Like He goes in there the other night and, and just grabs like eight rebounds in, in eight minutes. He threw like a 60-foot bounce pass the first time he's out on the floor. Well, I think part of it is because he's just obviously so good. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just obvious that this guy's got incredible basketball instincts, especially on the defensive end, and he really popped the first time he was on the floor. Yeah, it, it really – I mean, it feels like in two, three years from now, people are going to be like, how did this guy get to 41? Right, and that's part of this perception too. If Jared Vanderbilt was the 15th pick in the draft, they'd probably – be a lot more people out there that would align with me in this argument and saying, I think he'll have a better and more impactful career with the Nuggets. Draft spot is a big part of perception, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. But I think Nugget, like Nuggets fans are, are a really smart fan base. Definitely. Because like, they were on to Jared Vanderbilt early. Like Almost everybody was. I, I think a lot of fan bases would have taken a, you know, a lot more time for them to realize, like, Hmm, this guy ha- definitely has some potential, and he's not your average like forty-first pick. I am so excited to see what both these guys do for the rest of their Nuggets careers. I think we'll see Porter at summer league. While, like I said, my gut says if the Nuggets really needed him at the end of this year, they could get him into playing shape. But I just don't think there's any use in bringing him back at the end of this year, throwing a rookie who hasn't played basketball in like a year plus into a stretch run slash playoff environment, I don't think I'd want to take that chance and starting him that way as opposed to starting him at summer league. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. Um, just just let him play at the start of next year. But think of all the, the hype mixtapes in the meantime, Harrison. Oh, it's going to be a summer of hype. It's going to be an the active sum- summer on Instagram. The summer of Michael Porter Jr. I, I cannot <laughs> wait, man. It's going to be live. All right, let's move on here. We'll hit one more of these before we hit the break. Will the starting lineup recapture its 2017-18 glory post-All-Star break? From all indications, the Nuggets are going to be healthy coming out of this thing for Friday in Dallas and for that upcoming four-game homestand. We should, I think, get the starting lineup back Friday. Like Denver will have a couple days to practice here before they have that game in Dallas. That's always Michael Malone's concern. You know, we don't have a lot of practice time. We don't want to insert Gary Harris back into the starting lineup. If he hasn't had time to practice and get his wind ramped up and get his minutes restrictions removed, they'll have a couple days to practice now. I think that would signal all systems go for the starting lineup Friday. I guess, A, do you think we see it in Dallas for the third time all season, the first time since the second regular season game against Phoenix way back in October? And B, do you think they'll be able to get back to that level they were last season and at the beginning of this season? 
Yeah, I do expect them to to finally throw out this starting lineup. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I shouldn't. I should knock on some wood. Like Gary Harris might stub his toe, like immediately after we put this podcast out there and be unavailable for the game or something. I'm just worried that that some freak thing is going to go wrong. But yeah, I would I would probably expect to see that lineup. Um, and look, I I think they're going to crush it on offense. I I really have no doubt. Those guys just fit so well together. I mean, Denver's already been pretty darn explosive with without a lot of those guys for the season but anytime you put you know three guys around Jokic who can shoot the ball put the ball on the floor and pass then they're just going to be really really dangerous um I'm I'm curious to see if Denver can you know recommit defensively um there there have been some red flags in that end but I'm I'm pretty optimistic that this this group is going to finally be able to find its rhythm yeah, I think they'll find their rhythm, too, and we'll see it Friday for the first time. I'm not sure they're going to click at the level they did last year, though. And the reason I say that is because I'm just not convinced that throughout this final 25-game run, we're going to see a Gary Harris and a Will Barton operating at peak performance. I went back and watched a lot of Will Barton film today, Christian, and... What I saw was, I mean, this guy is really struggling to finish around the rim. Doesn't have a ton of explosion right now. Doesn't have a ton of pop jumping off, especially that leg where he had the injury uh, that he missed three months with, that uh, groin hip injury. And he's struggling around the rim right now. His percentages are down close to the basket. That's where you're seeing the biggest differential in just uh, his field goal percentage this year compared to last year. And so I'm wondering if he can find his rhythm. And I'm also wondering if Gary Harris can. I mean, this is a guy who's, what, only played in like half the games this season. He's missed a ton of time. And so that'd be my biggest concern right now, that the only reason that starting five won't click like they did a year ago is because of those two guys just not being their pre-injury selves. And I, I do think the starting lineup will look really good, um, especially on offense. But I'm just not quite sure it's going to get back to that 27-19 level, at least right now. Well, you're definitely right that, you know, in the lead-up to the All-Star break, Barton was, was lacking that explosion. You know, he's normally such a, a strong, creative finisher. He, he just didn't have that burst at the rim, so that'll be something to, to definitely keep an eye on. It, it felt like Gary Harris maybe could have come back, like right before the All-Star break, That, but it felt like the Nuggets were just being super cautious with him, like, oh, we've tried to bring him back a couple times now and you know it it's just led to to something else so right if this was the playoffs i'm sure gary harris would have been back in the lineup yeah so hopefully with them just really giving him some extended rest he'll finally just be to be past all these little you know injuries that have kind of added up this year yeah barton shooting 53% at the rim this year down from 64% a year ago. So, I mean, that, that's pretty big for Will Barton, especially coming off a year where he was so good around the rim. So, I mean, that's my biggest question with that group right now. Paul Millsap, we know he's been up and down, but I feel like he's going to still fit into this thing fine, especially with that starting lineup. Played one of his best games of the season right before the All-Star break. That mm-hmm. was good to see. Definitely good point. Jamal Murray's been up and down too, uh, but I'm not really worried about him within the ebbs and flows of that starting lineup. Harrison Barton are the two guys I'll be focusing on when that group gets on the floor together. Yeah, and then those two guys I'll definitely be watching close and, and 
just how the minutes get divvied up between uh, Monte and Isaiah. I mean, I, I still expect Monte to be out there for for you know at 20 least twenty minutes. minutes a game, yeah. but man, minimum, I, absolute minimum. I mean, I don't know. Do you just play it like ten minutes a game? Like give him like one stint each half. Well, how many minutes did he play in his debut? Thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. I don't think he can play much more than that right now. He played thirteen minutes. Obviously, it's going to take a while for him to get his win back, and like I'm not sure how many more minutes he can physically play right now, coming back from a 12 month, 11 month absence. Yeah, and I'm just wondering too. Like, are we just going to see the Nuggets go like uber small these last 25 games? Like, you know, it and Monte they played together the other night. Are we going to see those guys out there together with like some Malik Beasley at the three? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see Torrey Craig maybe at, at power forward as a way to find all the those little guys some more minutes? And maybe a guy like Trey Lyles is cut out of the rotation. I, I'm wondering if we're just going to see super small ball from Denver. It's interesting. We've talked about that a lot over the last couple of weeks. Would Torrey Craig slide down to that four spot? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. It's definitely going to be something to watch over the next few games. All right, let's hit our final break. When we come back, we'll get to these last one of these topics that we want to hit on. Let's look ahead to free agency next summer. Who is the best case scenario in terms of a max or a near max guy that the Nuggets could grab next offseason? There's going to be a lot of interesting names out there. You know we love talking about free agency. So we'll predict if the Nuggets might be able to get in on any of these guys. We'll be right back. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets Podcast. Part of the award-winning BS Endeavor Podcast Network, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on a Tuesday. Nuggets get back at it tomorrow, Wednesday, for their first post-All-Star break practice at Pepsi Center. They've got a road game in Dallas to open up this stretch run, their last 25 games on Friday. Nuggets have to go 13-12 and 12 over their last 25 games to finish with 52 wins. Incredible. Especially with the injuries they've had this whole season. I mean, for my money, Mike Malone is the coach of the year in the NBA. I doubt he'll win it, but I think he should be. Let's move on to the final topic I want to hit on on today's show. Let's look ahead to free agency next summer and who could be the top-level free agent, a max-level guy uh, that Denver could at least grab their attention and maybe potentially sign here. Let's just go down the list. When I say a name like Kevin Durant, who will be a free agent, do you think Kevin Durant would have any interest in taking his talents to the Nuggets, stepping in at starting small forward, and winning a championship for Denver? Oh, of course. Rich Kleiman, huge Denver guy. I mean, Always. Rich Kleiman, big into the tech world. Denver is in the middle of a tech boom right now. Yeah. Um, 
no, it, it'd be great. Um, uh, oh, I've, damn, you were joking about that? I, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I've been kind of like half saying that, that it's going to happen. Um, from a basketball standpoint, it'd be just a, a great fit because KD gives you, gives you that rim protection. I mean, Jokic would make his life even easier than, than Steph Curry does now. Um, but, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Rich Kleiman wants to, wants to be the GM of the Knicks, baby. I mean, I want to be the GM of the Warriors. I want to be the president of the United States. But did you have a tweet from a couple of years ago that said, I'm going to be the president of the United States? <laughs> How is he not taking that down? If he takes it down, does that make it even worse? It probably does, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't envision Kevin Durant coming here. I mean, Denver would have to make some big-time moves to open up the salary cap space. I've got them projected at around $19 bucks in salary cap space without Paul Millsap and then just picking up the options for everybody else. And, I mean, if they really want to create max cap room, they'd probably just have to get Mason Plumlee's salary off the books. That would be the easiest course of action. And then... Even then, they wouldn't have enough room for uh, one of the like ten plus year veteran max deals that a guy like Kevin Durant would demand. But they could open up room for uh, the not as seasoned guys, the guys who have played six years or less in the league or seven to nine years. Man, Kevin Durant in a Nuggets uniform would be spicy, though. I mean, they definitely be the top team in the league, right? Just automatically. Yeah, I, I think they would automatically be the favorites to win the championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi Leonard, we know he doesn't like the cold weather. I learned courtesy of the Nuggets court that Denver has 300 days of sunshine per year. But does Kawhi Leonard know it's not cold here? No, he doesn't. He probably envisions Denver like it's in Aspen. Yeah, well, they definitely have to get Jamal Murray to, to get in Kawhi's ear. Like, listen, Kawhi, I spent some time in Canada. I know how it is. Denver is a million times better. The, the weather is actually great here. I didn't think so when I first came here. I have heard that Kawhi is intrigued by Denver. Hmm. Kawhi's also like an, an impossible guy to read, too. Right. Like, I, just unbelievable poker face. I mean, Kawhi just seems like really more than any of these guys that he's set on L.A. Yeah. I mean, he set on probably the Clippers. Maybe we only get that notion because of how bad the Clippers want him. Who knows? Like you said, he's impossible to read. And if the Raptors like just go to the finals this year, can you really leave that situation? I mean, you could. Yeah, but you could. You wouldn't look very good. Yeah, but I don't think the Raptors acquired Kawhi with everybody saying, oh, they're definitely going to keep him if they get to the finals. I think the assumption all along has been that he's probably out of there but I guess in short I, I don't really see him like considering Denver per se Kyrie Irving he's third on this ambiguous list of free agents I'm going through nah I don't see it either yeah not not a good fit for for either side Kemba you like him on the Lakers I would not want to give Kemba his next contract I don't think the Nuggets are doling out like any big bucks to a player who's not like a forward and and you know gives you length on the wings. Like yeah. that's what the Nuggets need. They're not doling out any big money to guards. Out of all these guys though, the next guy on the list, Clay Thompson, arguably has the best fit with the Nuggets. Like Kevin Durant would raise the Nuggets ceiling the highest 
But Clay Thompson, just from a fit perspective, is an unbelievable fit in Denver. I mean, he would shoot like 50% from three in Denver. I mean, he's just like Gary Harris, but a better shooter and bigger. Uh, I don't really see that happening. I just don't see Clay Thompson leaving Golden State unless the Warriors really lowball him. DeMarcus Cousins, not a fit in Denver. Jimmy Butler, I wouldn't want within 300 miles of the Nuggets locker room. Nikola Vucevic, I don't see that as a fit. Your boy, Tobias Harris. I mean, offensively, it'd be beautiful. I mean, Tobias Harris is averaging 21 points on 50, 43, 87 splits this year. Mm. The guy is unbelievably efficient. I mean, he'd fit in perfectly with what the Nuggets are trying to do offensively. I would have a little reservation about paying you know that much money for a guy who I'm a wing who I'm kind of like eh uh, defensively. I mean, if you look at his on-off numbers with the Clippers, Clippers are a pretty mediocre defensive team. They're much better with Tobias Harris on the bench defensively than they were with him on on the court. I mean, just the eye test. I would say Tobias is probably a below average defender, which is why you know he's a great fit in Philly. He he has that shot making and. You know, he's got guys around him who could protect him defensively. Yeah, these playoffs are going to be a good testament of just how good of a defender he can be when he's really engaged. I think he'd be an awesome fit with the Nuggets, especially at the four. Imagine if you don't pick up Paul Millsap's option. You can spend that money on Tobias Harris. Obviously, like I said, you have to move some things around here and there. But Tobias Harris at the four here in Denver? Well, just think about, you know, Murray Harris – Michael Porter Jr., Tobias Harris, and Nikola Jokic. <laughs> that, uh, that team, I think, finishes first in offensive rating. I like rating. how you slid that in there. So I think he'd be a really good fit here. Chris Stapps is next up on this list. I don't really see a natural fit there, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Chris Middleton, next up here. That's my guy. I think Chris Middleton is potentially gettable for a team like the Nuggets if they did have max cap room and... I think he'd be an unbelievable fit on the wing, you know, with this team right now. An unbelievable two-way player. And the Bucks have an interesting summer ahead of them. Four starters in Milwaukee are going to be free agents. I would have to imagine they would put a priority on retaining Chris Middleton, but you never know what can happen. I never know what could happen if they flame out in the playoffs or something like that. I have a feeling, you know, he'll be very highly coveted by a ton of teams across the league uh, just because of his skill set, how he plays on the defensive end of the floor, his size, his basketball IQ. But, uh, man, he would look great in the Nuggets at the three. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, the the two names on this list that stick out the most to me, obviously, are Tobias Harris and Middleton. You know, we were texting about this the other night, and you said you would rather have Middleton. I think I said said Tobias Harris at the time, and, and when I really sat down and thought about it, Man, I might go Middleton just from what he brings from a defensive standpoint. Um, I just think this this team is going to need, you know, some defense on the wings. And, you know, I, I love the Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris trio, but they're pretty small. They're pretty limited defensively. I, I think eventually, you know, for this team to contend for championships, I think they are just going to have to really upgrade uh, mm-hmm. on the wings, the three and the four. Yeah, that'd be the most logical path forward, I think. But I will say, too, I don't know, man. I, I'm just kind of hesitant, you know, this coming summer to to pay big money to Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton. Obviously, if it's Kevin Durant, you do whatever you can to get that guy. But I'd be a little bit nervous about that. I'd Honestly, 
I'd rather just keep rolling with what you have and just go get like an Alfa Rucamino on the cheap, a Wes Matthews on the cheap to to do it a little bit to upgrade your wing depth and and just keep rolling with this core for at least one more year. And I, don't I think know. and I think that brings us to our next point. I think I'm with you. The amount of money that you might have to give out to a couple of these guys going forward, if that's a Jamal Murray or Malik Beasley, who are both up for extensions before the start next season. Denver might be better off if they keep their books clean uh, going forward. And that's why if I had to make a prediction of what the Nuggets do this summer, I'd say they stay pretty quiet and just run this thing back and see what they can get from Vanderbilt and Michael Porter Jr. next year. And hopefully those guys can step into the rotation, make a pretty low-key signing here or there. Yeah, they can go out and spend on a rotation guy for next year. Maybe that's worth 8 to $10 million. Still stay below the cap and whatnot. Obviously, if a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard was interested, yeah, I think the Nuggets would move mountains to get one of those guys in here. And if one of those guys committed to coming, I think Denver would do everything they needed to put themselves in a position to get one of those guys. But I don't necessarily see that happening. And I think the most likely course of action is for the Nuggets to stay pretty quiet. Yeah, I mean, only... I, I'm only doling out like one of those max slots for those two A-list forwards that you talked about. I, I don't think I'm doing it for for Middleton or Tobias Harris. I just want to continue to see what I have in this group. But it's going to be interesting to see you know what this young core looks like together in the playoffs. I mean, the Nuggets have been so fun the regular season, but I mean, I, I think there's a real chance that with this group, you know, I, I think maybe one of the guards is eventually one of the dominoes that has to move. Um, just, just so you can get better on the wing. but There will be some big decisions Denver has to make, for sure. They can't keep all these guys, you know? They can't keep Jamal and Gary and Malik and Wancho and Vanderbilt and Porter if everybody gets to their ceiling, you know? Uh, that's probably a scenario that's not going to happen, but th- there could potentially be some difficult decisions that the Nuggets have to make down the line. Yeah, do you have a, a gut feeling one way or the other what will happen with Paul Millsap? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, my gut feeling is they decline his option. That's yeah. what my gut's really telling uh, me, I'll tell you that. I, I don't think they're going to pay him 30 my mil next year. My gut's been screaming that all year. Uh, well, I guess if you had to bet, will he be back in a Nuggets uniform next year? You know, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say he is back in a Nuggets uniform, not on $30 million a year, though. Yeah, I'll agree with you. (laughs) Well, my gut's been right for a lot this year. So is yours. So we'll see. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today's show. Thanks for listening, guys. I want to remind you, if you have questions, hit the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. also want to remind you, for a limited time, you can get a BSN Denver subscription for one year for only $29.99. Usually it's $35.99 a year. This new price comes out to just $2.50 a month. And remember, if enough of you guys sign up with that promo code NUGGETS, if more of you guys sign up than Rockies fans with the promo code Rockies, than Avalanche fans with the promo code Avalanche, than Broncos fans with the promo code at Broncos, all of you will receive a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. So 
Get in bsendenver.com backslash subscribe with the promo code Nuggets. Sign up for that one-year subscription to BS in Denver for just $29.99. And with that, we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you then.